For marketing agencies and social media managers looking to prove the value of their work, I've got something special for you. Agora Pulse is not only Social Media Examiner's tool of choice as an all-in-one social media management tool, it also allows you to track the traffic, conversion, and revenue from every social post, comment, and private message. Learn how to prove your social media ROI with a free training or a free trial by visiting agorapulse.com SME today. Again, agorapulse.com SME. Welcome to the Social Media Marketing Podcast, helping you navigate the social media jungle. And now, here's your host, Michael Stelzner. Thank you so much for joining me today for the Social Media Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner, and this is the podcast for marketers and for business owners who want to know what in the world works with social media. By the way, I just want to say thank you so much for um, listening to this podcast. It's so exciting to hear from people that are on tractors, doing stuff out on the farm while they're listening to this podcast, people in the gym, in their car. Wherever I'm joining you today, I just want to say thank you so much uh, for listening. You're joining a huge amount of uh, folks that are uh, excited about social media, and I am very excited about today's show. I've got a great guest. It's Chris Brogan, and if you don't know who Chris is, he's the co-author of Trust Agents and the brand new book, The Impact Equation. And by many people's standards, Chris is considered one of the top social media gurus in the world. Today, in today's interview, what we're going to do is focus on how you can build a platform based on trusted relationships using social media. It's a very, very interesting and exciting interview, and I think you're going to take a lot home from the interview itself. One more thing I just want to share with you. Um, I forgot to mention in last week's podcast, but Social Media Examiner just turned three. Yes, we're a toddler. We're only three years old. And uh, just thinking back to October of 2009, uh, when I started Social Media Examiner, I had no idea it would grow to be as big as it is today. I had no idea all the things that would be happening. I had no idea that I would ever have a podcast. I just want to say thank you so much for being part of it. Um, it, it's been an exciting ride and we're just getting started. So, and interestingly enough, back when I started in October of 2009, Chris Brogan was one of the very first people that I interviewed. Uh, and I remember trying to track him down at a trade show and finally he was willing to give me a few minutes on camera. And I think it's very fitting that I'm able to now revisit with Chris Brogan talking about not only how things have changed in the last three years, but kind of where this world is heading. Did you know that we can deliver awesome marketing info directly into your inbox? Simply subscribe to our weekly newsletter that comes out three days a week. You won't miss any of the updates going on in the world of social marketing. Visit socialmediaexaminer.com slash get updates. So with that, let's transition over to today's interview. Helping you simplify your social safari, here's this week's expert guide. I am very excited to be joined by the one and only Chris Brogan. If you don't know who Chris is, he's the CEO of Human Business Works, which is a business design company. He's written a ton of books. Uh, he's the author of Social Media 101, Google Plus for Business, the co-author of Trust Agents, and his brand new masterpiece is called The Impact Equation. Chris, how are you doing today? 
Michael, I feel astounding. I feel like the answer to a question the universe has that only I can help with. <laughs> uh, cool. Well, listen, today we're going to talk about um, how to build a platform. And we're not going to just talk about how to build any platform, but how to build a platform that leads to trusted relationships. And, and we know that in today's economy, trust is super important, one that you can really build a business on. Chris, I don't know if you remember, but way back when I interviewed you in October of 2009 at Blog World, um, your big tip was grow big ears, which meant listen. How have your views about social media changed in the last three years since that interview? Wow, what, a, what an absolutely great question. And by the way, I vividly remember that first meeting. I be, just because simply uh, there you were, in, you know, nicely dressed in the hallway, very professional right from the start. So it, it was just such a contrast to the uh, untucked shirt wearing uh, fuzzy just got out of bed crowd that I was just, and we were totally only two sm- days old or something crazy like that too. Exactly. So I was totally smitten. I was just like this, this, Oh my gosh, this man is a professional. Um, uh, you know, give or give or take, you know, the sort of graphics that everyone has come to associate with you. I was just like, this man clearly has a business. So, um, What's changed in three years? My gosh, it's it's amazing how much has changed in three years. I mean, uh, right before we get on recording, one of the things I mentioned is that, you know, as a guy who co-founded an event called PodCamp in 06, who believed with all his heart that podcasting and video blogging was just going to change the world, uh, I lost faith because really what happened a couple years in is that the mainstream just took over and suddenly the iTunes store, which was the only place more than two people seemed to be able to find a podcast, was stuffed with uh, regular mainstream terrestrial type shows just kind of spitting off their their copies or whatever. Um, But recently, podcasting just feels like it's really come back, including this podcast, which is just so well produced that I'm thrilled to be on it. Um, That's one. Podcasting is back. Number two, email marketing is... uh, it's something that if you had asked me in 09, what did you think about it? I would be like, well, I usually get a lot of spam and it's terrible. Uh, I think that what's really true is that email marketing isn't dead and isn't planning to die anytime soon. Bad email marketing is dead. And that, you know, we just need to be a lot more personable and relationship minded. The uh, platforms have come and gone and people get really nutty about this or that platform. But I will say this, that uh, the thing that I've believed wholeheartedly since the 80s, you know, when I was a kid go- going up through high school and all that, was that really what matters is community. And it doesn't matter which mall you meet at. It matters what you get done while you're at the mall. So I think that's still the same. That's what's the same since I started. Well, I remember back when I, um, back when I first before I interviewed you, I think I met you at a, at a meetup in Boston for marketing profs or marketing Sherpa or something like that. Or I was at your event and I, I'm all, who is this guy? Chris Brogan. He's got all these crazy Twitter followers and he must be someone important. Now, back then, you know, the number of Twitter followers was really like how you ascertained if someone was important in the universe. <laughs> what do you say to the person today who has, let's say, 40,000 Twitter followers, but doesn't really have a blog or a podcast? or any other platform beyond something like Twitter? What a great question. And and I still don't tend to uh, relate my numbers online with, with success. I mean, rather, one of the things is that I started using Twitter back in, you know, the, the, I wasn't the first wave, like I was there after they added vowels back to their name. Um, but I, I was there, I was number 10,414, uh, as signing up. And I would say that when I first got there, I was like, wow, there's magic in this thing. And then everyone was like, oh, Peshaw, you're silly. And then there, scads of blog posts came out saying Twitter's stupid and you're all going to die. And, you know, meanwhile, I'm just kind of, <laughs> 
acquiring more Twitter followers because they're like, oh, I kind of like how you talk and whatever. And I had this, I had this crazy weird distinction that I continue to this day, which is I reply to people most times, and it and it stuns them. Evidently, the bar to entry of social networks is to reply. To answer your question absolutely directly, having only a Twitter feed is like uh, living in a hotel room and thinking you've made it. Um, <laughs> you need your own real estate. You need a place uh, to call your own. And the reason is that Twitter's a stream and it goes by. And if your brilliance is tied up alongside you complaining about the bad Green Bay football call from a month ago or so, then you also have a problem there, you know, because the person coming to see your brilliance might accidentally see you complaining about your Papa Gino's pizza order. And, and so a blog, a website, you know, a primary home base, as I called it a few years back, uh, and still do, is to me the ultimate uh, showpiece that you need to actually use any of these social platforms. If you don't have some kind of a home base, a publicly facing website, for instance, then you, you're just sort of throwing away your opportunity for business and uh, influence. Chris, how has your blog, which is just chrisbrogan.com, right? How has your blog changed your business? What's it done for you? Oh my goodness, all my business comes from my blog for the, you know, for the very most part because even if somebody is, you know, dopey enough to to find me just randomly on the web, they always find their way back to my website and start saying, is this the kind of guy we should hang out with? And 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 what what's beautiful about that to me? I mean, the the real opportunity to me is that people will uh, sort of see what's on the go at uh, chrisbrogan.com and they'll say, wow, you, you sort of read my mind about this, that, or the other. And there is just no better feeling to me than somebody saying, this is what, you know, what we came for. And so when I say all that, what I'm saying is that um, uh, at, my, at my website, people might come along. I'll, I'll give you a hint. So I wrote a blog post when I was mad. A typical thing that happens with bloggers, you know, Julian shakes people's hands. Julian Smith, co-author of my book, shakes hands and says, oh, you're a blogger? What do you complain about? <laughs> uh, so I had written a blog post called Dear Car Dealerships, Your Websites Suck. And then next thing you know, like moments later, practically, I'm invited to keynote the General Motors Canada Dealers Conference, et cetera. So that happens to me all the time is I'll write a post about kind of where I see an industry going and what I see could be beneficial to them. And of course, that'll get me speaking gigs because people are like, oh, well, I, I feel the same way. And next thing you know, I've got another opportunity. So um, th this transitions, I mean, obviously your blog has been your platform upon which you've been able to do all the things that you're doing, it sounds like. And in your book, The Impact Equation, you talk about reach and you talk about platform and there's, there's some distinctions between the two. Can you go ahead and describe a little bit about what each one is? No, no, I'm just joking. <laughs> I um, so so just to I mean, let me just sort of sketch the tiny, tiny framework. And those of you listening to this, you specifically, uh, I want you to just hear this, just because then you'll kind of go, "Oh, I'm, I'm with you now." Uh, to me, the, the 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 larger structure of the impact equation is this idea that if you have really good goals that drive. Uh, very contrasting ideas, unique ideas. Next, what you need is a platform of some kind of value that you've created that people can see those ideas. And then you need a, a human element or a network of value. So you need some kind of group of people that is going to care that you've spread your info across the platform. And that's all of the parts that you need. Um, when I talk about reach, it is part of the the actual equation for the impact. And what I'm saying is that if you have a platform and, you know, for instance, let's say you're a 
I don't know, you've built an amazing website and it's beautiful, but no one knows it's there besides your mom and your ex-girlfriend. Um, you need then to do something to connect up and, and get more attention, get more awareness. And that's, that's it's, it's a question of reach. How far do your ideas travel? Where people get this wrong is they think, I'm just going to run on Twitter and tweet links to my posts all day long. New blog post. Does what I say make you smarter? You know, and, and I'll, I'll see this over and over and over again. And, and I guess what I end up saying to them is, how do you think people really start to care about what you say? And some of the answers are, well, you comment on their stuff first. Another is that you, you know, say interesting and witty things, you know, to them online. You start really kind of having a relationship ahead of them deciding, oh, I really should check you out. And I find in, you know, approximately 100% of the cases, just to round up, uh, that people really want to, to, to be appreciated. So if you appreciate their junk first, then uh, Cialdini's law of reciprocity comes in and they kind of go, oh, I see that we're like-minded. I mean, that's, to me, my favorite thing, Mike, is when people come to my site and they're like, oh my goodness, he thinks like I do. And, and, and that's the best compliment in the world to me, even though I don't always believe that, that we agree on that. But, you know, I'll have somebody say something like, he thinks exactly like I do. We should start slavery. <laughs> so, so how do you actually know what your reach is, Chris? And how do you maybe make your reach better? I mean, can you give some... some oh, so you want real examples and you want me to be a grown-up and stuff. <laughs> Go for it. <laughs> I know. So the thing about reach is that, I mean, and, and by the way, there's a difference between reach and exposure. I mean, that's probably the one that's the hardest to talk to you about. Um, because exposure is how many times you say something and reach is kind of how far can it go. Right. So sort of one of the ways to look at reach is you, you've got to start to uh, look at ways to do audience capture. So for example, having any kind of a basic website but not thinking about having an email newsletter means that you have a very passive connection to your audience. Having only a Twitter account means you have a very passive connection to your audience because people just don't even know, you know how to get back to what you're, the meat of what you're saying is. Um, one way to have great reach is create content that's useful and has a purchase, a purpose. Uh, for instance, Michael, uh, I know that you do a lot of infographics that are really useful to other people. Quite often, in the most simple act of uh, justifying things, you know, we have a lot of circumstances where one has to go to one's boss and say, you know, hey boss, I really think this is a great thing, and then the boss, because they're a jerk, always says, oh yeah, we'll prove it, and that's where you know where things get tricky, right? So right. I think that there's. There's just such a big opportunity there to um, to just kind of learn how to t tell things of any great value and give as much value as you can. That's where the the most reach comes from. Why do you think over 200,000 people show up at my site every month? It's not because I'm eloquent. It's because people are there to pick off ideas that they can use for their own business. And so I serve that market. Okay, so kind of what I hear you saying is if you want reach, you need to give people well, I hear a couple things. First of all, you need to produce great content that people hopefully want more of. And hopefully you get those people onto, for example, an email list so that it's something that you can feed them regularly. I mean, is that is that kind of what I hear you saying? Yeah, I mean, that's for sure. So, I mean, a great platform, you know, would have lots of great content and creates as much great content as it can. And, and that's, that's my premise because a great platform is built for content marketing, which means giving you something of value long before you choose to buy. Um, another element of that that I kind of forgot to talk about was just the fact that, you know, access counts as reach because reach has everything to do with making sure you go back and forth with people on, um, 
you know, so that they feel heard and seen. And that's what gives you reach as well. Right. Okay, good. This is good because this transitions to my next question. Um, if we were face to face, which we're not right now, even though it sounds like we're in the same room together, um, I'd be able to, um, uh, you know, get to know you better. And a lot of times when we think about building relationships, especially offline relationships and, and developing that all important trust with people, we listen to the tone of their voice. We watch their eyes. We look for nonverbal cues. But when it comes to online relationships, these things are gone. So how does a marketer gain trust when the general disposition of a lot of people is to distrust people that they can't physically see and interact with? What a great question. Uh, I wrote another book about that back in 09 with Julian Smith called Trust Agents, where we talked about how to be human a- across the web. And uh, we put trust into this book as well, just because we we continue to feel that you know if there's things that people aren't doing exactly amazing, uh, one of them is definitely trust. Um, w- w- well, one of the ways is that it's amazing to me how many people don't exactly uh, spell out who they are. For example, on their about page, you know, mm-hmm. on a website. So uh, let's just keep it to social media because that's who I'm addressing with you. Um, your web page, about page, and everything like that. If it's a bunch of logos, we don't look into the eyes of logos. You know, we need to see people on the other side. Um, we're born looking for faces, and so we need that kind of thing for some help with credibility um, and also intimacy. Um, another thing to pay attention to with regards to building trust is just that. Um, a lot of people don't seem to understand. They, they, th- they think of the web as kind of a very false environment. They say, you know, it's not the same as when you're in space with humans. And so I often try to say, well, can you just try to envision that the web is a bit of a cocktail party? You can do business at a cocktail party, but it is not I mean, the social web. It is not uh, a guarantee that everyone there is looking for business. So, I mean, right. you might spy some people across the room. You might need to make some first contact. Just like when you were at a cocktail party, you have had this experience, I have had this experience. We're shaking hands, we're talking uh, with someone, and next thing you know, you look and they're looking over your shoulder at other people. Right. And you, I mean, first off, I mean, if your self-esteem is poop, which mine always is, I, I'm forever just thinking, <laughs> oh my gosh, they don't even like me a little. Yeah, and their, their posture is such that they're ready to run out the door, right? <laughs> yeah, and then I'm like, then I help them with that. I'm like, you know, I'll say something really embarrassing, like, you know, well, I have to poop, so I'll catch you later. <laughs> Just because I want them to leave on an awkward note because right. they just made me feel awkward. It's, it's childish to be truthful. Um, but then thereafter, I mean, we've also met that person that as they're shaking our hand, they've stuck a business card into our belly like a ninja. And, and they're already kind of jumping up and down on us to figure out how they're going to maximize the value of the couple minutes we have together. And, and, and that really kind of used to be how business was, but I just don't see that working. So online, that comes really uh, that happens a lot, I think, online, and that's a that's a problem. Oh yeah, um, and, and just just as an aside, I'll get an email from someone saying how much they love something that we're doing, and then after about a paragraph, they'll go on to say, "And um, can you do me a favor and look and see if this video is something you can publish on your website?" <laughs> you know, yeah, that's absolutely. I mean, that just ruined the whole first paragraph. You know, exactly. You know, I call that the comma problem. Uh, <laughs> And, and, and for some reason, marketer, please pay attention. For some reason, marketers, uh, this this happens a lot, especially small personal entrepreneurs. Dear Michael, nothing important. I'm just telling you stuff to make you feel better because I think that you've never, ever had your ego puffed up ever once in your life, <laughs> comma. Now I want something. It's yeah. so sad, isn't it? I mean, it, it, and, and, you know, in an email, you've got a lot of real estate to work with, but on Facebook and Twitter and Google Plus and all these others, 
you know, how, let's get to the meat of it. How, how is it just a matter of um, pushing the plus ones on, on people that are maybe strangers to you? Nobody's from nowhere as Guy Kawasaki calls them, but, but acknowledging that they're really valuable um, and doing these small little things to help develop a, a relationship with others. So if somebody is valuable to you, you find ways to to express that that go a lot further than hitting the plus one button. Um, I'll give you an example. Um, I wrote a blog post the other day, and what, in in writing it, one of the things I wanted to do is just really call out the fact that I think Ginny Dietrich does a really great job at her uh, website Spin Sucks, which is education for PR professionals. And in the, in doing so, I was saying, you know, this is an example of somebody who does great stuff. I mentioned Joel Labava, the franchise king, and you know, said so that he is he does this for his community. And in so doing, I mean, every time I do that, of course, people get a good blast of traffic. They get a good blast of attention. They get the sense, well, she's kind of Chris Brogan approved. I had no idea, you know. And and in so far as my name means anything, which I would argue it doesn't mean as much as some people think it does. Uh, I would say that that's one way that goes way better than a plus one. And, you know, it, it's it's the easiest, lightest lifting in the world to do a retweet. Right. It's something entirely else to say, hey, you know what? I had an extra 10 minutes. Do you want to just catch up and see if there's anything I could do to be helpful to you? And I know that you follow that. Like, I know that you're incredible at outreach. And I stole all that I know about that from two people, uh, Keith Ferrazzi would never eat alone, and then Tim Sanders, who is just – he, he makes it such a ridiculous art that it's it's kind of like, you know, when you bring um, a couple daisies to someone's house because they had you for dinner and then Tim Sanders brings them um, an island with a gas grill built into it and a personal <laughs> chef. <laughs> well, I mean, I hate to say it, but it's it's really about giving gifts and not disguising them as marketing to get in the door, right? It's really about, like, I remember one time I just simply emailed Seth, Seth Godin and I just said, how can I help? And there was no motive behind it. And and once once you're known for someone who's authentic and genuine and not really trying to just, quote unquote, you know, work the room or whatever, um, and you and you truly look out for people's best interests, um, you're going to develop those relationships. And not all those relationships are going to work out. But man, when you give some love to other people, even if, even if it's just a matter of a public tweet saying, "Hey, man, that was a really awesome article," um, I think that that goes a long ways. And I think so many people don't get that. Michael, I agree. And, and, and you know, it's such a simple, like, look, what's the formula to this? What did we just say for the formula? It's so ridiculous that people can't do this right. But what we said is this. We said, actually be helpful. Actually do something for the other person. Ask for nothing in return. Oh, by the way, it's going to come. Do you know what I mean? It's, it, that's not even a question. So... It's just to me, it just seems that, you know, like somebody like even, and a Seth Godin, by the way, his answer is always going to, always going to be, well, I don't know, nothing really. Just, just surprisingly, it wasn't that case in, in this particular situation. He said so and so would be in touch and he had a new book coming out and I was happy to help him, you know? Magic, see? But, you know, when you help people a lot of times, I mean, I said something about this fairly recently where I said, you know, it's not that I'm out there trying to do good because I want good done back, you know, directly, but I am a ridiculous believer in karma. You know, I believe that karma, you know, is so vital. And so that said, you know, it's uh, it's one of those deals where, you know, it, it never, requires never work. It requires work. And so many marketers are listening right now. I want you to, to listen very carefully. Um, everything you do requires work. Um, and nothing is ever going to be just given to you on a silver, silver platter. When you look at the people that are successful, they've worked very hard and trust 
requires just as much work as marketing does. And uh, I think so many of us have been wrongly trained that, uh, and so many of us are abusing Cialdini's equation that uh, I'm going to do this and therefore expect this in return. I think when you just do it, and you love it, and you love the fact that you do it, and you actually get personal joy from doing it, then I think things are going to take off. By the way, this transitions to my next question, Chris, which is related. Uh, you've got this uh, chapter on trust in your book, The Impact Equation. And in there, you've got the trust equation, which I'm just going to explain what it is. It's credibility times reliability times intimacy divided by self-interest. Now, you go on to say that intimacy is the most important component here. Can you explain why? So first, let me give credit because that's actually David Maester and Charlie Green's trust equation that we stole. And uh, the reason I say that is, you know, if I give the worst possible definition of intimacy shortly afterwards, you'd be like, oh, that's because it's Charlie's. It's not yours. <laughs> um, so intimacy is... Um, it's a really interesting part of it because, for instance, I learned something from a guy named Tony Khan. And Tony Khan is a legendary public radio speaker guy from the Boston area who's had like an over 30-year career. And he came to this event called the uh, Podcast Academy that I had paid to attend. And he, um, he had this thing where he said, people ask me all the time, how do you get the most intimate possible voice to do your radio work? And he said here's what I do. No matter what I'm saying, no matter what I have to convey, I think about somebody that I love very dearly, somebody who means a real lot to me. And then I tell them that information directly as if I'm talking directly to that one person and as if I really need them to understand and that this information will enrich their lives. And as he's saying this, I thought, my God, that is how he sounds. Because I thought it was just me. I thought, you know, I have this awkward, weird, you know, relationship with this small Yoda-looking man. And, <laughs> um, he, well, you know, he is. And, and so intimacy, what, I mean, kind of what that means is, you know, are you paying attention to somebody? Are you giving them, you know, some level of who you really are? I mean, vulnerability is tied fairly close to intimacy. And, I, and, and we were raised as, as business professionals, all of us, I would say, were raised to really kind of hide our vulnerabilities. But I found that the more that we expose that and the more that we admit to something that, you know, is not normally considered a, you know, a strong business persona, as long as it's not like, you know, you know, I have this problem in marketing where I just forget to do things for a week. Uh, that's probably not one to admit to. But I guess if you're saying, you know, in my marketing, it matters to me that people, you know, like me and I know that's wrong, but that's what I worry about. Well, then, you know, you've just created an intimacy because then somebody else can hook to it. So that's a really long, horrible, drawn out answer. But what it really just basically means is that why it's the most important is that uh, people really need to believe on this, especially in the online world, that you give a damn. And it's just so many examples to the contrary. You know, um, someone who's popping into my mind is Marcus Sheridan. I don't know if you know who Marcus is. Or oh, not. yes, I do. But he's got this blog, and he makes a commitment to respond to everybody who leaves a comment on his blog. And I'm sure uh, Jeannie Dietrich probably does something similar, because I know they're kind of cut from the same cloth in that regard. But his, his responses are extremely complicated or not complicated but lengthy uh genuine caring and man that guy develops intimacy with a lot of people and i think that's probably what you're talking about right i mean that personal one-on-one -on -one interaction 
Exactly. Because again, I mean, one of the things I said earlier in my rambles was, you know, one of the things that sets me apart from a lot of people on Twitter is that I actually do reply to most people. Now, I don't all the time anymore, especially if I ask a question, because I could get 100 or 200 answers and, you know, it'll just get painful really quick if someone's following my stream and just seeing, you know, at Daisy, at Jenny, at Sally, you know, but... um, what Marcus does is he he says you're every bit is important, and I mean that when we started PodCamp in the old days, it was this idea of peer driven education, and the reason was because all of us are always going to be smarter than one of us, and and I continue to believe that, and and actually everything I did wrong as a business person in my early years of trying to run businesses in the in the uh, pre uh, starting my new marketing labs was everything right before Seth Godin's book Tribes. So I'll give him some credit for that because uh, the cover of Tribes, which is the best part of the book, it just had this one line, we need you to lead us. And I was like, oh, that's what I do wrong. And essentially the book is like 60 or so. I mean, it's you can read it in like one extended bathroom break. But it's, uh, it's a book basically subtitled or sub-subtitled, Chris Brogan's Doing It Wrong. Because <laughs> I used to think that like leaderless tribes was a great thing, but it turns out it's not true. Everyone wants somebody to kind of drive, even if they want them to see you being part of a team. Chris, we've been having a pretty fascinating discussion and um, I'd like to ask, this is something I tend to ask at the end of uh, most of my podcasts. I know you're a big reader and I know you're a big experimenter and you're a heavy thinker. And um, I'm just curious if you have any tip or idea that you've recently been noodling with or that you've been experimenting with, maybe a marketing idea or a tip or tactic that's gotten some traction, something that Chris Brogan is kind of excited about. Can you share any particular ideas or tips that you've been, you know, maybe experimenting with recently? I just want to go back and point out that you called me big and heavy. <laughs> but uh, I did. <laughs> uh, I know that you're a big reader and a big thinker and you're a heavy experimenter. <laughs> I get what you're doing there, Stelzner. Uh, no, I'm just teasing. Um, I'll tell you what. Uh, there is a vivid change to chrisbrogan.com. Because I was, I was stuttering when you asked me the question because I was thinking, I don't know, nothing. That's why I talk uh, for a while so you can think. <laughs> that's what I can think. You're, you're brilliant at that. Uh, so I changed chrisbrogan.com dramatically, and you could say that this is a shameless plug for everyone who subscribes to the podcast to come to my site, but it's not. Yes, it is. So um, at my site, what I did was I made it look far less like a blog. It, the front page of this thing has a huge splash page, which is like the opposite of what I tell people. I always tell them, make your fold super, super tiny and make your logo super tiny so that you have more room for content, blah, blah, blah. Changed my mind. I have decided that I'm going to curate everything I send to you so so that you know, there's there's the five pieces of what I call the human business way, and that's the first thing you see, and those are kind of category pages, and then right after that, there's eight or so curated pages, some of which aren't even you know. Well, by the time this is published, most of them hopefully will be all put together, but they're they're actually I manually go in and actually select some of my older blog posts that I think are good and pertinent, or I start creating new ones to fit the category, and and, the, and so. If you're just listening to this, this is probably boring you insanely, but let me just say this. The premise is that instead of a blog, which is still what runs the site, the whole thing is still powered by WordPress and still like a blog technology, my site is built now to feel more like an educational experience that if you showed up for the first time, you'd have a sense of a direction to go in and kind of go, oh, that's interesting. Because what I started realizing is that because we're all writing sort of um, uh, reverse chronological content, 
it, you know, has a category tag, but isn't really how we, we store it on the shelf, that newcomers or people that really kind of want to get a deep, uh, you know, saturation in something aren't finding it. So my real long answer to your real short question is that I've turned my site into uh, something that I've been preaching a lot lately, which is every day is somebody's first day and try to make your, uh, your on-ramp for people feel like that such that the people who are your veterans know how to get what they need, but that the new people are going to feel served and loved when they show up. This is pretty fascinating because I um, pulled up your new site and I'm going to encourage everybody to go to chrisbroken.com because it is radically different um, than what it used to be. And I think it's, it's, it's quite interesting. It's quite a shift, isn't it? Because I don't know if you remember way back in the day, we had these things called splash pages. Do you, I don't know if you were even like uh, in the marketing world back then, but websites used to have their splash page, which was the first you know, reaction that people would have when they come to your site. And it would be somewhat the same for everyone. Sometimes it was animated. Um, but I, we're beginning to see a lot of bloggers, for example, um, Brian Clark at Copy Blogger has been making this shift. And I see you're making this shift where instead of your entire website, quote unquote, being the blog and all about that dynamic content, you're now essentially making your business front and center and making your blog um, essentially, you know, still there, but not necessarily front and center. And I think there's wisdom to that because I think um, bottom line is um, in the olden days, you would call yourself a blogger, but now you're a CEO, right? <laughs> not right, just a sure. blogger. And you have a business and you want to make sure this business gets communicated to people. Am I right? Sure. No, that's totally, that's totally part of it. I, you know, by the way, thank you for mentioning Brian Clark because I, I shamelessly stole this idea from his site, copyblogger.com. And then I got his top designer, Rafal Tamal, and also Brian Gardner, who makes Studio Press, which is what my site runs on. I got them to make this for me. It so I forgot awesome. to give them like the plug. Um, <laughs> But they did uh, all the hard work. I just sort of drop pictures and say, do this. And like I would draw a squiggly line and Rafal would come back and go like this. And I'd be like, you're in my head. Uh, <laughs> but, but so, I mean, exactly to the point of wanting my business to really stand out. I mean, what I, I mean, yes, I am a blogger and I'm not, you know, there, somebody asked me the question just the other day, are you ashamed of that? And I'm like, no, I, it's always been the stupidest word in the world. I mean, I, I wish there was any other word like reporter that would be okay, but I'm a publisher. But what I wanted to say was people had been asking me for almost two years. So what exactly do you do now? Oh my gosh, you can't go to my site and have, you know, that answer. You know the answer because I'm telling it to you in multiple colors now. So uh, you might not understand how you fit in with it, and that's, that's kind of intentional because I want you to sort of self-identify, but that's the goal. Well, I think you've done a great job, Chris, and I just want to say thank you so much for, um, for, for taking some time out of your very busy schedule with this new book coming out to um, answer some questions and share some of your wisdom with our audience. Last question is if people want to learn more about you, uh, beyond going to chrisbroken.com and or your new book, is there any particular place that you would like to send them? Wow. Besides socialmediaexaminer.com? I would say that... Um, <laughs> like, do you have a site for the book or anything like that? Oh, no. You know how I do that is uh, just to check out about the impact equation, which would make me really happy because uh, it's for the it's a rare time I'm actually ridiculously proud of something I wrote. Um, it, humanbusinessworks.com slash IE for impact equation, not Internet Explorer. And, uh, 
you know, that'll kind of give you the update on the book. And if, if, if you think this even sounds vaguely interesting, what I did basically was I took Michael Stelzner's book launch and I added it to Michael Hyatt's book platform. And then, (laughs) um, I added a few other people's books and then we, we just basically called it the impact equation and we used Charles Duhigg's bright yellow cover. I was going to say, it looks, I love this. I love the little starburst on there. It kind of looks a little Batman-y from the seventies, you know, like the bam, bang kind of stuff, you know? So, (laughs) you know, it's, I'm in front of your crowd right now, but let me just talk shop with you for one second. Book design is like, we have one of two responses. Julian and I both fight like dogs, like, oh, we need this. It has to look like that. And we're, we'll, you know, forget it. We're not writing the book. And, uh, and then eventually we, we both just get so beat down. We're like, okay, that's okay. You know, so it's never what we really want. It's always, you know, when we decided to stop fighting because we wanted to go to dinner. Well, I think it's awesome. And Chris, thank you so much for uh, taking time again out of your day today. I really appreciate you uh, being on the show. Uh, my pleasure entirely. My, my pleasure completely. And thank you for allowing me to ramble in your presence. Chris, it's been my pleasure. Hey, be sure to go check out Chris's new book, The Impact Equation. And by the way, if you want to join the discussion, check out the show notes at socialmediaexaminer.com slash 11. This does bring us to the end of the Social Media Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner. If you like what you've heard, would you please do us a huge favor and head over to iTunes and give us a review and a rating. This helps us get discovered by more people. And um, I would really love it if you'd be willing to do that. I hope you make the absolute best out of your day and may social media continue to change your world. The Social Media Marketing Podcast is a production of Social Media Examiner. Want more good stuff? Sign up for our top-notch social marketing newsletter. We deliver it straight into your inbox three days a week. Visit socialmediaexaminer.com slash get updates.